back to another episode of College Football with Forno. I am your host, Tyler Fornis, and week six was quite an interesting journey, especially from a betting perspective. Did not go very well. Two and five, including a brutal loss where Kansas State, a one and a half point favorite, one by one point. Just a, just a really tough beat from a betting perspective, but we have seen some things that were really interesting. I almost took Texas A&M minus 24 against Alabama, but considering how inconsistent A&M has been this year, I wasn't sure how to really place this team. And they ended up giving Bama a game coming just two yards away from winning with Haynes can quarterback 24, 20 and Milrow is not a guy that can really lead you far. If you're Alabama, they really need Bryce young back because this group of receivers is not exactly what you would really think about when you think of Alabama receiving cores. There's no Jerry Judy. There's no Henry Ruggs. There's no Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle. There's no Julio Jones walking through the door. Amari Cooper. It's a bunch of guys who have talent, but have not been able to take a step. And because of that, Milrow, who is a very good runner at the quarterback position, knows how to navigate that end of the spectrum, struggles throwing the football down the field. And because of that, the Anim defense was really able to key in on the run. Now, Jameer Gibbs did run for 154 yards. It was really the catalyst of this offense throughout the course of the game. But AM was able to keep fighting, and they got a pass interference call in the end zone at the end. Three seconds left. And they had one of the worst play calls in the history of time. They spread it out five wide and they basically run an isolation route to the top. And the route was very poorly run because he needs to get depth. So, so he basically ran like a, like a modified hitch whip route where he goes straight cuts towards the corner and then cuts hard back towards the front pylon to basically put it to where Haynes King, Hey, you throw it there, I'll get it, touchdown, easy money. Problem was, he didn't get any kind of depth in the end zone, so by the time he's sprinting towards the pylon, he's already coming out of the end zone. And that's that's a very, very tough thing. And you got to have a better route than that. And plus, you probably should have a better play call than that. And we've talked about Jimbo Fisher. This team is 3-3 three and three with all the immense talent on it. 3-3. Three and three. Losses uh, to App State, and then the, this brutal one here. I mean, they did uh, pull off wins against Miami and Arkansas, and it's just a very, very odd Texas A&M team as we kind of move forward. Um, for Alabama, they got Tennessee this week, and if Bryce Young does not play, don't be surprised if Tennessee beats them. Um, and beat some good because Tennessee has been playing lights out football. They dominated the LSU Tigers, just really didn't make it fair. Tennessee is a, a team that is going to ride their offense. I mean, it, Tennessee is only a seven and a half point dog at home. This is a legit Tennessee team, and a lot of that favor as far as being a seven and a half point dog goes to Alabama. But that number could really fluctuate based on Bryce Young playing or not. If Bryce Young ends up playing, that number could skyrocket to almost 14 because 
the addition of a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback is going to move the ball a lot. Tennessee is, like I said, they're going to ride the offense because the defense is okay-ish, but a 40-13 to 13 win in Death Valley. And <laughs> Jaden Daniels even threw for 300 yards and a touchdown. Like, this was... This was a dominating offensive performance for um, the Tennessee Volunteers. Hendon Hooker, uh, only 239 yards and two touchdowns, but they did a lot of damage on the ground. 263 yards, 5.4 yards of carry. And they really took advantage of uh, the LSU team on, on defense and just... They're a very complete football team, and we've been talking about Tennessee potentially being back for years. And we really haven't seen a good Tennessee team, an actually good Tennessee team since the Eric Ainge era. And now, here we go. You've got Hendon Hooker, Josh Heupel. They seem to have actually gotten this thing righted and good on Tennessee for getting it there. Now we just have to see if they're going to be able to maintain that. The other real surprise was Georgia uh, for me, uh, 42 to 10 win over Auburn, a 27 and a half point spread. I thought Auburn would be good enough, um, especially because it's one of the oldest rivalries in college football to hold on and keep it within the spread. They couldn't do that. Uh, Georgia was just good enough. Stetson Bennett had like a near 70 yard touchdown run um, to start the fourth quarter. And Auburn's offense just could not get enough going um, either on the ground or through the air. Georgia just dominated. And after having uh, two games where they were brutal against the heavy spread, they figured it out against their old rival Auburn. I still worry about Georgia long term just because of what Stetson Bennett is and what he's going to be. And. I'm not convinced that Georgia is going to be that team to win the national championship this year, at least at this point. The team that is convincing me week in and week out, Ohio State put up 49 points the first three quarters to beat Michigan State on the road, 49 to 20. Michigan State's just in a uh, pit of misery right now. Mel Tucker, that $95 million contract. I've heard it's a $4 million buyout, which really isn't that much considering what, what kind of beefy contract it is. But I'll say this. They paid him way too early, and they paid him based off the success of essentially one player, Kenneth Walker. And Kenneth Walker now being in the NFL, and he has really figured out nothing. (laughs) This Michigan State team is just brutal to watch, and Ohio State just continues to get it done. C.J. Stroud putting together a Heisman campaign, 21 to 26, 361 and six touchdowns. And they took the foot off the gas in the fourth quarter. This could have been a 63, 70 point game easy for Ohio state, but they decided to play respectful and not keep that foot on the gas. One team that's going to be very interesting to continue to watch is Michigan. They are playing subpar big 10 teams way too close. 31 to 10, win over Indiana. Listen, if you are JJ McCarthy and the Michigan Wolverines, it's nice that you're figuring out ways to win these games, but 
you really need to start putting people away and putting people away early or you're going to lose one of them. Penn State coming up next week. That is going to be a massive game in the big house. McCarthy is going to have all the lights on him. He's going to need to quick figure it out. You can't keep playing these teams tough. It was a 10-10 game at halftime before Michigan scored the final 21 points. You can't do that. You have to be able to put these teams away and not let them stay in it because the more you let teams stay in it, the harder it is going to be for you to take them out. Clemson took out Boston College this week, 31-3. to DJU is really figuring it out. He is not going to be this super dynamic quarterback, and he struggles a little bit with his processing. He throws an accurate, strong football when those traits really do help and when he's kind of figuring things out. But there's just something not quite clicking with him yet that we saw uh, promise with against Notre Dame his freshman year when he had to play for Trevor Lawrence, who was out with COVID. DJU is a guy that could be taken anywhere between 20 and 220 in the NFL draft, and I really don't think it'd be too big of a surprise because he is a five-star kid. He's got all the tools, and somebody's going to think they can fix it. And rightfully so. The guy's got incredible ability. Now, you have to be able to harness that ability with technical prowess, and right now he's doing that better than he did last year, and that is saying something because last year was abysmal. Last year, DJU was the cause of them not making the playoff rather than being the cause of them making it. The offense that Tony Elliott ran has pretty much killed Virginia this year. Brennan Armstrong, Dontavian Wicks, Billy Kemp, all those guys had a great season last year in the Bronco Mendohall style air raid offense. And now Tony Elliott's pretty much put that to a screeching halt, which is really frustrating because Virginia was one of those fun teams last year. Remember that game against BYU? Ended up being like 59-49. That is fun college football. Um, this Clemson team, they're 6-0. They have a tough schedule. They still have Notre Dame. They do avoid North Carolina, but they have Syracuse. And those games are going to be tough. I believe they still have Florida State as well. You have to be able to figure out a way to win those games. They have an over-under of 10.5, which preseason I said bet the under. Now I think you should bet the over because this Clemson team is figuring out a way. They're figuring out a way to make this thing work with DJU, and that is a net positive for one Clemson and two college football because when Clemson's good, college football's just better. The next game... USC Washington State. This this was shockingly ugly. Um, you had two high powered offenses going against each other. Uh, USC wins by a score of thirty to fourteen. When this spread was twelve and a half a kick. Caleb Williams only threw for one hundred eighty eight yards, but Travis Dye ran for one hundred forty nine, and between them they had three touchdowns. Just this was an ugly, ugly football game. Cam Ward was just not able to really get anything done against this really aggressive USC defense. I mean, he he threw for 172 yards and two touchdowns. They ran the ball extremely well. Jalen Jenkins, 13 for 130, but they weren't able to really consistently sustain drives. Cam Ward's QBR is really representative of that. Only a 40.7. And obviously, QBR is a metric uh, for ESPN. Just a 
it, this was going to be a test for uh, USC on defense because we know what kind of offense that Washington State has. They're able to put up points. They were able to put up 41 against Oregon. To hold them to 14 is a really big win. And Washington State, this is a work in progress for them. They are trying to figure things out. Can they continue to grow with Cam Ward? Can they win eight, nine games? We're going to find out because they're going to really hit the meat of that Big 12 schedule. Sorry, the Pac-12 schedule. Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. Oklahoma State with a 41-31 to win. This one had one of the smartest plays I've ever seen from a special teams player. Texas Tech scores the first touchdown. Baron Morton gets the surprise start over Donovan Smith, which was announced about five minutes before kickoff. Texas Tech kicks an onside kick, and he it wasn't bounced. He actually arced it, so he he got his foot under it, and he just, it was like almost like a chip shot in golf. And because it doesn't hit the ground, that's a live ball. Oklahoma State player waves a quick fair catch. Texas Tech guy jumps in front of him, takes it. That's kick catch interference. So even though Texas Tech nailed the onside kick, they didn't get the football because of that. Fair catch. Just brilliant on the spot thinking by the Cowboys. And this is a really good football game. It was uh, 34-31 going into the fourth quarter. Oklahoma State scores a late touchdown. Seals the win. Morton threw uh, for 379 and two touchdowns. This was a very exciting, fast-paced style game. Spencer Sanders was good. Spencer Sanders again. He only completed 22 of 45, but it was for 297. He got a touchdown. He didn't really put the ball in harm's way. Um, I'm still worried about the Oklahoma State rushing game because if Spencer Sanders goes to bad Spencer Sanders, like they averaged 3.3 yards a carry today or on Saturday. That was not great, Bob. Um, just stuff that you really don't want to see. I really like what this Texas Tech team could become. Because of what Joey McGuire has been able to recruit, Baron Morton was getting arm talent comparisons. Like you just go to a park and you just see a guy throw. Like they were comparing him on broadcast to Patrick Mahomes. Very, very, very talented kid. I really like what this Red Raiders team could become down the line. I just don't think this is the year. Uh, Sarader Thompson and Taj Brooks, really good running back duo. Brooks only had four for eight and Thompson 20 of 87. He did score a touchdown, which made a difference here as far as looking at the box score. But that Texas Tech, for as much as they love to throw the ball, the running game has been a really important catalyst for this team. And it needs to be a focus more moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, Ole Miss, it was a tale of two halves. They were down 20 to 17 at halftime to Vanderbilt. And boy, oh boy, did they turn it on at the end. Jackson Dart threw for 448 and three touchdowns in this. This was a second half ass whipping as Ole Miss put up 35 on the Commodores in the second half. The running game, it was a, it was a pretty even split. Uh, Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins each had 11 carries. Evans did more 80 to 46 yards, but Judkins had two touchdowns. This running attack is really going to be the catalyst to how successful that Ole Miss is moving forward. Dart did throw for 448 and three touchdowns through two picks early, but 
they figured it out in the second half and they were able to really put away a Commodores team that has been playing well against SEC competition so far. I mean, they're three and three. They're, they are own two in conference, but they are playing well with teams. And I think with this coaching staff, they are going to figure out how to continuously put together quality football games. And that's really about all you can ask for from this Vanderbilt team. They're, it's, they're never going to be a powerhouse in football just because of what they are as an academic institution. And they don't have like all the facilities. They don't have um, a, a massive draw for people other than, hey, you get to play in the SEC and you get to play against Alabama. They are kind of who they are. And if you can continuously win six or seven games with this program, that is a massive victory for a school like Vanderbilt. Oregon. I was really hoping that the, at, uh, Arizona would make this a game. They did not. It was 49-22, and quite frankly, it wasn't that close. Bo Nix torched the Wildcats. The running game was on fire, and Jane Delora just struggled to really move the ball. Um, this Arizona team, they're now 3-3. Three and three. I was had really high hopes for him going into the year. And then after week one, the dominating win they had against San Diego State, I was really high on the Wildcats. But they're kind of coming back down to earth. They're showing why bringing in 50 transfer portal guys can be really successful, but it's also not going to be consistent. And they're showing why it's not consistent here. Cowing, six receptions, 77 yards, and he had opportunities, just could not be able to really take advantage of all of them. This Arizona team is going to be really good for a long time. This is just not the year, unfortunately. And hats off to Bo Nix. I don't know what happened. If just Auburn was just an awful place for him. But he's gone to Oregon. And after that brutal first game against Georgia, where he's bad against Georgia, he has been historically throughout his career. He's figured it out. And he's playing really good, smart football. I don't think you're going to see anything from him as a prospect. And I know you're going to see some of the all-star games hype him up because he's going to be one of the better senior quarterbacks in this draft class. Nix is a fine college football quarterback at this point. Probably never going to be anything more than that. One that could be more than that. That's going to be getting a lot of buzz moving forward is Dorian Thompson Robinson. Feels like he's been starting for UCLA for a decade. Like just one of those guys. He took advantage of that COVID year by staying it was going to be Dylan Gabriel, and it feels like UCLA dodged a bullet there. They are now 6-0, 3-0 in the Pac-12 in, honestly, beating Utah in in a game that did not feel this close, 42-32. to Thompson Robinson, 299, four tutties. Zach Charbonnet was two yards short of 200, and he scored a touchdown. Like This UCLA team is legit absolutely legit i am i thought last year that they could have been a surprise playoff team this year they're probably not going to surprise anybody they're probably a playoff team if they keep this up they've beaten utah they dominated washington even though that game ended in just an eight point differential this bruins team is legit chip kelly has found his niche back in the pac 12 thompson robinson even though he's had massive inconsistencies throughout the course of his career has really put himself on the right track, and he's gaining steam as a draft prospect. I am not sold on him being a draft prospect because it is still Dorian Thompson-Robinson, and he still has a massive track record of inconsistency. But I do like where this is trending because where this is trending 
is a net positive for both UCLA and the player himself. I, I'm going to be really interested to see how things go with him uh, come March and April. But for right now, great college quarterback. And if you paid attention during the week, you knew that Will Levis was not going to play. It was basically announced by the sports books at on Wednesday when the line absolutely crashed and got as low as five and a half uh, Kentucky favored over South Carolina. And Kentucky suffers their second straight loss, losing to South Carolina 24 to 14. Uh, listen, Kentucky needed a little bit from their quarterback and they needed the running game to carry this. It just did not happen the way that you would have wanted wanted it to. And Spencer Rattler came up big when he needed to, 14 to 19, only 177 yards. But you can just say, see, that Rattler is just not what he used to be. And he's still he's still trying to figure things out. And they're giving him that opportunity at, with South Carolina. And South Carolina is now four and two. One and two in the SEC, which is the same record as Kentucky. If you would have told me that preseason, I would have laughed at you because I thought Kentucky would be sitting in a better spot uh, considerably than this. Um, I I really like what South Carolina could potentially become, and they're now just two wins from bowl eligibility. Good on Shane Beamer for figuring things out, and hopefully Spencer Rattler can continue to grow and develop. A couple more games, then we're going to turn our focus to next week, NC State pulls off a late game, um, late game surprise. They get the win over Florida State, nineteen to seventeen. Jordan Travis throws a slot fade, and it was one of the worst throws of the day. Um, just brutal stuff, and you got to really feel for. Jordan Travis, but he should not have thrown that football. And <sighs> NC State pulls out a close one. Florida State now lost their last two. And that's, that's about all you can say. They had everything within them, and all they need to do is not make a mistake, and Jordan Travis did. Wake Forest continues to prove that they are legit. They are in a 5-1 and one with their only loss being to Clemson. 45 to 10 over Army. I thought this could have been a game like last year. Last year was 70 to 56. I thought it could have been high scoring, fast pace, but Army just could not keep up. And they were down, they were down 38 to nothing at the end of the third quarter. Ford outscoring Wake Forest 10 to 7. Look, Sam Hartman and this slow mesh, they have things figured out. And this Wake Forest team is very, very good. A couple more games real, real fast. BYU struggles early against Notre Dame, gets down 25 to six rallies back, but still falls short after Notre Dame stopped him on a fourth and one 28 to 20 Notre Dame. I was really surprised. I thought BYU would be able to come out and play a lot better with Puka Nakua and Gunnar Romney, both in the game. They struggled. Uh, there was a safety early on and Jaron Hall was just all over the place. But once he composed himself, he was really good. Michael Mayer dominated again, 11 for 118 and two touchdowns and drew pine. I give him all the credit. He has really settled in. He's not spectacular, but he knows what he is. He knows what he can do and figured out how to win a football game. Good on Notre Dame. They really needed this after their rough start. Marcus Freeman is now at 500 as the head coach of Notre Dame football. And 
the schedule is going to get a little easier. They get Stanford this week, who lost a heartbreaker to Oregon State, uh, 28 to 27. But Notre Dame, they're figuring things out, and that is a net positive for the Fighting Irish. For BYU, tough break because they have one brutal loss in this tough one. You flip one of those games around, and this is a top 10 football team. But that's why they're not. TCU outlast Kansas 38 to 31. It was a 10 to 3 game at the half, and Jalen Daniels got injured at the end of the first half. Uh, it looks like either a shoulder separation or an AC joint, but Jason Bean came in and played really, really well. Um, ended up scoring 28 points at the end of the first, second half, and it was a 38 to 31 football game. Oh, really, really fun to watch. It was back and forth. I'm starting to question if TCU is for real or not. I really, really don't know what to think of them. Uh, Max Duggan has really turned a corner, 308 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Miller in the backfield got one. And then Quentin Johnson, arguably the top receiver in as far as an NFL draft prospect, 14 for 206 and a touchdown. This TCU team, they struggled here, but they were still playing good football. They have a tough schedule, and I'm betting under that eight and a half uh, modified win total here because I just don't know if they can keep it up against the likes of Texas, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. You know, they got Iowa State, Kansas State. They're going to have some tough matchups down the road. And this Big 12 is surprisingly deep. And I, It's kind of weird to say that they're deep, but even West Virginia being at the bottom of the conference is playing good football. They are competitive. They're in games. And that's a big deal. Now, the biggest heartbreaker of the day, Kansas State winning 10 to 9 over Iowa State. Matt Campbell's now 5 and 14 in games that have a spread within three and a half points. Look, Kansas State's legit. Adrian Martinez is a borderline Heisman candidate. If he has a big game against one of the likes of Texas, Oklahoma, or even TCU, like you could see Adrian Martinez skyrocket. I believe his odds for DraftKings were plus 2,500. That's the guy that you want to keep an eye on his stock and kind of see how it goes because a true dual threat quarterback can really make some waves. Now, as we kind of transition over to week seven, I cannot believe we are already in week seven. This is just crazy. The early slate starts off with a couple really good ones. Kansas going to Oklahoma, Texas hosting Iowa State and Michigan and Penn State in the big house. We are going to have some really good uh, contests early on. Minnesota, Illinois is one that you want to keep an eye on. If you have multiple TVs in your basement, put one on here because it's going to be two of the better running backs in college football. Brown versus Ibrahim. And Ibrahim is expected to play after that surprise DNP two weeks ago. Then you have the CBS game of the week. Alabama, Tennessee. You are going to want to keep your eyes on that. And also on ABC, TCU, Oklahoma State. This week is loaded with top matchup. NC State Syracuse during that time slot is going to be one to watch as well. Just really, really good football. And there's going to be a lot of interesting betting lines coming out of this. Um, James Madison against Georgia Southern is a low-key, really good matchup. Georgia Southern obviously had the upset over Nebraska. They're transitioning away from the triple option, and they're implementing more of a spread with Clay Helton. James Madison, even though they're not bowl eligible this year, they are 5-0, and they're ranked 25th in the country. 
That is going to be one to watch. That game is on ESPN+. Plus. Clemson, Florida State, Mississippi State, Kentucky are two of the top ones in that uh, 6.30 slot. And then the 7 p.m., USC versus Utah on Fox. This is going to be a fantastic, fantastic slate of games throughout the day. And then we are going to pull up the sicko slate, which is late night. And the late night looks pretty decent. It's not quite as heavy as you would have thought. Washington State, Oregon State, 8 on Pac-12. Air Force, UNLV, San Jose State, Fresno State. And the 11:59 Eastern kick, Nevada versus Hawaii. This is going to be a very fun week of college football. Make sure you tune into Fantasy Points all week. I will have my Against the Spread article coming out on Friday morning. And make sure you also follow along with the Daily Fantasy slate and College Fantasy uh, from all of our guys. They do a tremendous job. A um, couple of the pre-weekend games are going to be interesting. Wednesday night, tonight, Louisiana and Marshall. We get a little Wednesday night football. And Baylor, West Virginia on Thursday should be pretty good. And one game that will be interesting because I want to see how many points UTSA can score because they beat Western Kentucky by three last week. They are currently 33 and a half point favorite against Florida International. Western Kentucky put up 76 against them. Can UTSA get close to that? And they have a high powered offense with Frank Harris. It's going to be really, really fun to watch. Tune in all week to Fantasy Points. This is going to be a great week of college football. Take care.